Hi, you're listening to Secrets for an Inspirational Life with me, your host, Mimi Novik. I'm so happy and thrilled to have you here with me. I have created this series for all of us so we can change our world together and live a more holistic and balanced life. Together, we will share lots of inspiring stories from all walks of life, speak with leading experts, enjoy healthy living ideas, explore music and subjects that inspire each other to always have hope. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate all of you. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Secrets for an Inspirational Life. How are you all this evening, this late summer that is supposed to be here in the United Kingdom? Although that's sort of always a tricky subject, I have to say. Summer in the UK, not always easy. But in any case, it gives us a reason to have delightful conversations, I have to say, with everybody around us, the weather. And conversations, what an interesting subject. What makes people get on? What makes us get on with one person and not with the other person? Is it merely the art of conversation has died or is it that we have forgotten how to communicate with people. And especially in this day and age when technology is such an important way to communicate, it seems, sadly, we have lost the real communication in a lot of ways, and that's the communication of the heart. And that is something that is vitally important. And I have to say that I believe more important than anything, because if you have a connection with somebody, it's on really a far deeper level. And if we can communicate with each other on that deeper level, maybe we can be friends and indeed, who knows what else in life. So it's important to hear all the things that people don't actually say. And that's the secret, I think, that... um, is eternal. With that in mind, I have the absolute pleasure and I'm really delighted to welcome my guest tonight, who is Nat Schooler. Nat is a best-selling author, an advisor, a podcaster and an expert in branding. He has been in the branding industry for over 10 years and specializes in coaching entrepreneurs, professionals, executives, and other high achievers. And he has worked with some of the most well-known companies in the world. Nat helps people to find their authentic voice so that they can connect with others on an emotional level while still being professional. Not so easy. He is also a passionate podcaster who has a team of like-minded people who deliver timeless business-focused content that enables people to grow their knowledge and build their brand. Today, and there's so much more to him, I have to say, because he has some 
amazing stories to share. He will share those and his journey along this long road called life. Welcome, dear Nat. Thank you. That's uh, that's lovely, Mimi. Great to be to be here. It's great to have you here. How are you? I'm I'm good. I'm just I'm just uh, a bit exhausted, really. I'm trying to write a um, put a slide deck together for uh, for my publisher um, mm-hmm. because I've got a webinar starting uh, this week that I'm delivering for them and. Yeah, and I, I thought oh, I'll call my dad and, and see how he's getting on. And um, because his Zoom, uh, we my brother installed Zoom on his. He's eighty eight, right? So he's mm-hmm. you know, he's nearly ninety years old, right? So mm-hmm. we we uh, we installed Zoom on his computer. I think this was a couple of days ago, and it all went really well. And I called him up, and he actually answered, and he looked really happy, and it was it was wonderful. Mm-hmm. And then yesterday. He's some, somehow logged out of Zoom. I don't know how, no idea, but he's basically logged himself out so he doesn't show up on there. So today I called him and I'm like, so what's going on, Dad? And we were literally, I don't know what had happened to his machine, but the issues that we, we face right now with technology and, and in particular elderly people who perhaps have stepped off of the technology um wheel i'm going to call it um yeah. or they've they've always had someone else to to handle it i mean my dad always had someone else to handle all of his tech so you know you, the way that he used to work was someone would do it for him right but yeah obviously he's retired now and he finds it very difficult and but it's particularly frustrating for me because i i I'm unable to see what he sees. So we spend ages looking around these apps on, on Apple, right? And I have a I have a Windows machine. He has an Apple, right? He's yeah. got an iPhone and I've got an iPhone. So at least we have that in common. But then we're trying to solve one problem at a time. So today we're, we're trying to basically get his, um, his Mac sorted out so that he can actually read an email, right? So that oh. he can reset his Zoom password. And the biggest issue... I find people go through, elderly people in particular, is management management of their passwords. This is the this is the biggest issue. I mean, my mum is nearly 80, uh, going through that today. Very, very difficult situation uh, to, yeah. to get these guys to uh, take care of it themselves as opposed to trusting a, a, a neighbour or, or, or someone or a family member to look after the passwords, right? And this this whole thing is creating a massive marginalized group in society that actually are they're so fed up a lot of them that they that they just don't do it and it causes inactivity and then it, it it's damaging their lives because most a lot of communications not all but a lot of them are online these days so if you don't if you don't get online you don't talk to your family you don't you don't talk to your friends as much you don't so you miss out on all of these things that actually, if these companies really wanted to, they could make a solution for this. It would be one button, push this one button, right? And it would make life super simple. It would be absolutely easy for them to navigate uh, their devices because it's the biggest issue as well. Navigating a device when you're when you basically are unfamiliar with it is is crazy so you you asked me a question and <laughs> i'm i'm frankly i'm 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 kind of trying to find a solution for all of these things at the moment 
And do you think that it is just a certain generation that finds it difficult? Or do you think it is pretty much a lot of people out there who don't? I, for one, I have to say, um, I feel like a hundred. I have to tell you on some days, but I find it difficult as well because mm -hmm. I think some people are more open to it. I think you also have to have a certain openness to something, whether that be technology or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. um, but how do you do that? Is it a problem for the Western world? Do you think people sort of in Eastern countries have this issue? Mm. What's your view on this? Well, you know, we've got 48% of the world that don't have access to internet at the moment, right? Mm. Um, so... <laughs> I mean, I think there are going to be people in that group who, once they get on the internet, will have no problem. But then there are going to be the elderly people who are going to who will never be able to use the internet, and and I think there'll be also certain people within certain uh, areas of work, right, that probably never use the internet because they work in certain in certain areas. Mm. So mm. I don't know. I can just speak from experience of 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 um mastering a mi one's mindset, right? Because my my dad and my mum have got to I mean my mum's nearly 80, my dad's nearly 90, right? So mm. they're at a point in their lives where actually they could turn around like a lot of old people who uh who you know, are out there and say, ah, oh, I'm not doing this. This this is a waste of my time. That's a joke, right? But mm. neither of them, neither of them have that mindset. They both have, I mean, they don't live together anymore, right? But that was years ago. They got divorced when I was 15 years old, right? So yeah. they, 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 they basically, they both have a growth mindset. And it's like my mum that she doesn't get annoyed about it. She gets a bit frustrated, but she doesn't get annoyed. And I'm like, look, mum, you're making this harder than it is. This is what I'm saying to her. You're making it harder than it is. This is just simple. But then when you go into the app store, you try and download an app to an iPhone or an iPad or whatever. It is not as simple as it could be for these people. Yeah. Directions need to be clear right and oh. this is this is the issue like it like it says get it get it now and then underneath you you push get it says install so it's like look it doesn't take a rocket scientist to work out that you're actually causing people pain yeah um my dad his his mindset i mean he unbelievable his mindset is fantastic he, i mean he went to mit yeah so he taught at mit's professor um, it's got three degrees, um, you know, one of the most intelligent people that I know. He did industrial engineering, right, at, at, at university, yeah, mm. uh, as, as, you know, got his MBA and whatever else, right? And he was a, he was a professor in, in long-term business planning and strategy, yeah? So, you know, we're talking about two very different people, but both of them are actually struggling in similar ways, really, it needs to be simpler. It needs to be easier. And um, I'm I'm frustrated. You know, I spent a long time with my dad, but it's nice to actually spend time with them. So it isn't, you know, it's not, it's not like driving you crazy, but it's just like, but you could be doing other things that are more beneficial. Like you could actually talk to them on Zoom instead of wasting time trying to install it, you know? Mm, and he doesn't have anyone that could do it for him. 
more my brother did it he did it two days ago but he lives an hour away right from where he is so you know he lives on his own yeah i mean he's nearly 90 and you've got to respect that yeah you've got to respect someone who's nearly 90 years old lives on his own looks after himself yeah um yeah you know i have massive respect for my for my parents and i think that's that's something that I didn't perhaps have when I was when I was a kid. I was spoiled when I was when I was a kid. Um, I had I had everything I wanted really, except for except for what was interesting is that my mum and dad they were a bit older than most of the other parents, right? At school, and yeah. my dad, you know, when he was in when he was in America, living in America with his, you know, working in his dad's business, um, they used to have an. Uh, a seat at the opera. I mean, they had a box in the New York opera, right? I mean, you know, they, they, they had everything that they wanted. Right. So he wasn't really interested in cars and fancy stuff and whatever. He just wanted to build a business and he did a really good job of that. He he ran a successful business um, in the UK, 25 years. We used to, we used to um, create liqueurs, mead, which is honey wine. um, And, fruit wines basically made from you know elderflowers and those sorts of things but they were sold in the historic royal palaces like kensington palace and and uh, the tower of london and i mean we we sold our products in the most fantastic places we used to export to a number of countries but i just have massive respect for my for my dad you know mm, mm. and but so when i was younger i i kind of didn't really appreciate things i don't think as much as i could have done the thing is they were very clever my parents they didn't give me everything that i wanted right like a lot of my friends like they they grew up like they had ponies and they had quad bikes and they had all everything they wanted right mm, mm. but whenever i asked my dad for money he'd sort of look at me and he'd say my dad used to always give me half and then he, he and then he'd give me what i wanted but he'd always make me feel like I was taking money out of his pocket. Do you know what I mean? And, yeah. you know, but I, I mean, I, I worked from the age of, I don't know, uh, probably 12, actually. I may have been 10. I don't know. I literally, because we, we used to make product, right? So we had labeling, we had, we had bottling, we had all sorts of things that, you know, needed to be done uh, in the winery, right. Which was next door to to my parents' house. I mean, my dad basically, uh, decided he was going to build a winery on, on top of my mum's vegetable garden. And that's what he did when I was six years old, you know? (laughs) So he's a clever guy, your dad. Yeah. I mean, he didn't build it himself. He he, he Mm. designed it. Right. And he he moved a uh, 16th century barn from Billingshurst, which was, I don't know, 18 miles, 20 miles down the road. And then he he basically uh, had some builders um, resurrect this barn over the top of a, uh, over the top of a cellar, which had been filled up with vats. Right. So we mm. had, you know, uh, we used to produce a lot of product <laughs> at that point, you know. And you did that um, as part of the family business because you were involved with that, weren't you, first? Yeah. That? Mm-hmm. That's how, you, is that how you, Got into business, initially. yeah, yeah. From from my dad, from my dad's um, attitude, always thinking big. I mean, he always oh. used he, that's something he instilled in me. Just think big, yeah. Oh. And and I think this is the biggest problem with with people. It, you know, one of the biggest problems is they don't think big enough. 
and I, and I was listening to something the other day about it and and they take other people's advice people who've never been where they want to go people who 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 just observe and say something perhaps derogatory or and they and they pick it up they pick it up and and they accept other people's beliefs and this is a this is a big problem is what i've seen in 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 my work you know so i explained a little bit about what you do because you do so many things but tell us a little bit about what you actually do in your own words what is it that you do every day <laughs> what is your job because there's so many things there's you know if and I'll say to the listeners out there it is really such a huge list of what Nat has done and what he does it's it's amazing really but tell us a little bit about your life and how it all began <laughs> Well, I, I I was in the wine industry for many years, as as, as I've said, and mm. and then basically one day, um, it, you know, it all it all basically went wrong, and I and I changed careers, um, and then I moved into selling selling beer, selling real ale, uh, because I was I was an expert salesman, like face to face, I could literally I could walk into pretty much any any potential customer and I would get them to either agree to buy something or agree to talk to me another time right like it was it was so easy yeah at that point in my life it was really really easy yeah um so then I was like oh wow what what am I going to do right because you know it was recession and you know I needed to needed to go and find some work on my own right so ended up being unemployed like you know however many people probably are now uh yeah. i remember uh i said on another podcast a few uh, about a year and a half ago about the time when i was um I, I never forget it i had a triumph motorcycle at the time and i used to live in a little a little town in hazelmere um uh, is what it's called and oh. it's it's about half an hour from guildford if you ride you know at a fair pace right oh. um maybe 20 minutes 25 minutes and so I rode my motorcycle and I remember I parked it right. I had a, be- it was a beautiful bike. This one, it was a triumph, uh, triumph Daytona T595 had a 950 <laughs> DC engine. And it was, yeah, it was lovely. It was red and it just the set had a race exhaust on it. It was, it was loud. Yeah. So anyway, uh, I rode to Guildford. I parked it right near the job center, right on the pavement. And but the thing is, is that actually the pavement was like 10 foot wide and I parked it right against a wall. Yeah. So I went in there and every time I went to the job center, I'll never forget it. There was this woman called Rita. I'll never forget her. <laughs> no, no, I'll never forget her. Right? Rita. She was so freaking negative. She she just oozed negativity. It was unbelievable. <laughs> and every time I went to see her, I went in with a positive attitude of I'm going to make it right. And I'm going to get through this. Yeah. And every single time Rita just slapped me down. Yeah. And, and, but I, but I carried on my positive attitude. And this one time I parked my bike outside on the, on next to this wall came out and I had a ticket and this parking, parking attendant (laughs) had given me a ticket. Right. And the ticket was like 60 quid right 60 pounds and at that point this was like 2009 i think at that point you were you were getting let me see 35 pounds 64 a week that was how much you had uh to live on right mm-hmm. and um 
And I just never forget that moment of, it just put my life into perspective. It, it, it was one of those moments that it was like, okay. But then since then, you know, being an entrepreneurial kind of person working for myself, you know, it, managing cash is the most difficult thing when you work for yourself because you get clients that basically take advantage of you in the early days and they basically you know don't pay bills on time and 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 these problems really come up over and over and over again until you learn how to manage your money properly and and that's a that's a fantastic uh feeling fantastic place to kind of be in right where you're where you're self-sufficient and as far as what i do now i kind of i kind of transition at that point i was I basically, um, so I was, I was out of work and I literally, I was like, right, I need to get some work. So what I did, um, I basically, I went out and had a few beers and, and I basically saw this, this beer. Um, and it was, it was called Alton's pride. This beer it was made in Alton near Alton oh. in, in, in Hampshire by this amazing microbrewery called triple F. So at that point I was like, right, there's none of this beer. Okay, in my local area, not really. There wasn't much of it. So I basically I called up the brewery and I said, Can I speak to the manager? Because I was trained in telesales. So I'm I'm I was very good on, on the phone. And I and I called up the manager. I said, uh, is the manager around? And then someone said, Oh, you mean Chris? I said, Oh, great. Can I speak to Chris? And then I so said, I got Chris. I said, Oh, hi, you're Chris, blah, blah. Speak to the guy on the phone. I said, Look, I'm not being funny. I love your beer. And I'd love to go and sell it. And I don't see much of it in my area. Do you want to talk about it? So, so then I basically, I basically, this is a great story. You're going to like this one. So basically he, he said, he said, sure. How about tomorrow? Why don't you come over? I said, great. He said, okay, uh, meet me in, in, um, there's this pub. What was it called? I think it was called, uh, I forget the name of the pub, right. But basically it was at Alton station. Okay, in in Hampshire, right? So I remember putting like four quid in the parking meter and paying for a couple hours, and then I was like, right, I'm going to go to that pub and I'm going to go. Um, oh, it's called the Railway Inn. That's it. So I, went, I walked into this pub and it's called the Railway Inn. So I, and it had just opened. So I walked in, and there were there were no people. So I kind of looked around. I'm like, well, he's not here, and I'm you know bang on time. And like, what? Where is he? So I kind of stood around, which, you know, when you're standing around and you're feeling a bit out of place, it feels like hours, doesn't it? Like 30 seconds just feels yes. like feels like two hours, right? <laughs> so 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 I stood there and then this girl came out, um, this barmaid came out. I said, uh, is Chris around? She sort of looked at me like I was really weird, yeah. And I was like, Chris, he's not around? And she she looked she looked at me again like I was really weird and and that moment went on for like what felt like hours as well, and mm-hmm. and then this chap walked out from from behind the bar, and um, and I said, you don't know a Chris, and he looked at me like I was weird again, and I'm like, and then they looked at me and they went and I said, is this the railway in? And I looked at them and they looked at me and they said, yeah yeah you must mean the one across the street. And there were two pubs with the same name. Seriously, right? <laughs> Can you believe it? I was Seriously. waiting for the punchline, Nat. <laughs> that was it. They were two pubs with the same name. And this was the one that was completely dead out of the two. The other one was slap bang opposite on the other side of the street. Right. Right. Okay. 
unbelievable. <laughs> so, I thought it was a joke. No, first. I'm totally serious. This is what happened to me, right? So, so I basically I walk in the other pub, right? And oh. it's busy and there are loads of people around and they're all drinking beer and everyone's really happy. And I was like, I was like, you, Chris? He went, yeah, yeah. I went, uh, I went in the other pub. They don't have a Chris in there. And I just looked at him and he looked at me and he went, do you want a beer? And I went, yeah, that'd be good. <laughs> and we, we stood around for kind of half hour, an hour having this beer. And, uh, and he said, right, okay, great. Yeah, you want to sell the beer? Super. You work on 10% commission and we'll, we'll talk about it once you made your, made your first sales. And I was like, okay, great. So I just shook his hand. Mm. Went out, got into my, uh, at the time, she was my girlfriend. Uh, we, yeah, we hadn't got married by that point. So got in, got into her, her little old BMW and I basically drove to this pub, which was on the way home. And I walked in and I said, uh, I popped in the door and I said, uh, oh, I'm just, uh, just wondering, do you want any beer? I just got a new job. And the guy goes, oh, what, what brewery is that? I said, oh, triple F. He said, oh, brilliant. I would love some beer. Uh, I need it today though. Right. So, so I was like, so I called the brewery up. This is within an hour of speaking with Chris. I said, Oh, hi. Um, yeah, just got an order there. I'm at, uh, I'm at the Black Fox and uh, Alan, he wants three casts of beer. Can you get it to him today? <laughs> and like, and then I said, Oh, we need to talk about my wages. I'll speak to you soon. And that, and then, and then literally went in and negotiated a, a basic salary, um, within 24 hours. And that was my first, uh, move after i'd after i'd sort of transitioning into working for myself really wow what a story <laughs> it was crazy <laughs> it was yeah, but the problem the problem yeah mm. in the drinks industry is you get free booze and this that is, did that have an effect on you well you get fat mimi <laughs> I, I don't mean, know i don't drink <laughs> but it's good that you don't because really Literally, I, I, I used to go, they had, so they had a, a room full of casks, okay, uh-huh. which was for the off sales. So people would come um, into the brewery shop and then they would fill up these, um, you know, two pint, four pint, six pint, 16 pint, 32 pint containers. And uh-huh. then they, you know, pay a pound a pint or whatever it was and, and go and get drunk, right? The uh-huh. problem was I would get this beer for free and then, the owner of the company, who was also a brewer and he loved the beer, was like, well, you've only got two pints. And I'm like, okay, okay, I'll take a few more. He's like, well, have four of that and have four of this. And then how, and then, so by the end of it, you've basically go home every night with so much beer. It, 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 you, I mean, you don't drink it every night, but like you end up giving people beer everywhere you go. You're like, do you want a beer? And you just... <laughs> And that was my sales technique. I took my sales technique from the winery, which is what I used to do, turn up with samples. And I did the same thing uh, with, with that beer. And, and one day I basically was in a, in a, in a bar, um, very big chain in, in the UK. Um, I think they're actually the largest. They might not, they might not, they might not be now, but at that time they were the largest uh, independent chain basically. Um, and and what happened was I basically managed to get the buyer's number, right, and his email address. And so I literally sent the buyer of this chain a message saying, I'd like to sell you some beer. Can we have a meeting? And then I turned up at his office and 
And I remember, I never forget this, one of the biggest lessons in sales, never ask this question. Yeah. He, oh. he basically, he basically sat me down and I said, oh, I brought some beer for you. And I gave him this beer. I remember because I left at like six o'clock in the morning to go and drive there and take him this beer and have a meeting. And he said, um, what did he say? He said something, we were talking about the price and I asked him, I said, I said, so how much do you want to pay for this beer? And he just looked at me and he said, well, I think we, we should start nothing then really. And I just felt like, and I just felt so small. It was awful. Mm, mm. But then, but then actually he became a really, he became a really cool, uh, really big advocate of mine. Basically um, he got me, he got me listed into all of the, all of the chain. So we could, we basically could sell as much beer as we wanted to. It was, it was crazy. And how long did you do that for Nat? That was until that was probably about a year. At the same time, I was um, I was pruning a vineyard um, that I was kind of renting. Mm. We, I was I was in the process of renting it, and I basically I was thinking about renting it and having a shop there and everything else. But but then basically just worked out that it, it wasn't really for me. Um, and so I was kind of doing both of those things. And 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 then then I went off to Belize uh, to get married and. Uh, and then, yeah, basically ended up ended up seeing all of these Miss Central Americas at the airport. That was crazy. <laughs> it was crazy. Seriously. Why did you go to Belize? Do we dare ask that question? It's one of my favorite countries. Uh-huh. Okay. It's, it's just a one, it's just a wonderful country. It really is. It's uh it's it's very British. Um in in the way the people behave you know quite british uh because obviously it was a british colony and and, and uh-huh. we still have a lot of respect from from the belizeans because you know we made a lot of roads there we we basically um i think we still actually defend the the country against guatemala and and, and other countries around there because we still do jungle warfare training there um, but basically, I mean, it borders the, the Caribbean uh, Ocean. Uh, you've got uh, rainforest, you've got howler monkeys, you've got temples, you've got uh, rivers you can swim in and uh, tropical fruits and, you know, Caribbean islands. And I mean, and you've got rum. <laughs> and you've got rum. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Whenever I hear Belize, I always think of some, I don't know, some far-flung country that you get kidnapped and you never come back again. So that's why I'm curious is why, you know, you have this sort of love affair with the country. It, it is a bit, it is a bit raw. It is a bit like the wild west. I'm not going to lie. Mm. But you love it anyway. I, I love it. I mean, mm. I went back there and um, I have a Kung Fu teacher in, in Guatemala city. So uh, a world world expert uh, in Tai Chi as a martial art. Um, it, he's my teacher. He's a Chinese guy. Moved oh. there. Moved there. I don't know. Nineteen eighties, probably. Um, and he's 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 basically my teacher. Um, so every so often, I will go and I will visit him. And I, I went back to Belize uh, to pick up my wedding certificate when I wanted a divorce. But uh, we'll have to talk about that in another episode, maybe. That's right. a funny story, that. <laughs> and, 
That sounds an interesting story. It's a good one. It's that could be a whole episode. That I reckon. <laughs> <laughs> so, so literally, when I came back from my honeymoon, uh, five weeks, right? These guys had worked out that actually they didn't really need me anymore because they pretty much maxed out capacity, and mm. and um, they were like, "Well, we don't really need you anymore." I was like, "Okay, cool." And like he paid me, I think they paid me like a nice chunk of change. Like it was, it wasn't small. Yeah, it was. You know, mm. it, was, it, it, it was five times the amount you would expect from a self-employed job. That basically, you know, it, it was a lot of money. Yeah, at that mm. time. Mm. Um, so then I basically I managed to get approached by someone on LinkedIn uh, who was a drinks branding company. Right. Mm-hmm. So these guys, uh, these guys did the rebrand for Luxardo Sambuca. Um, they, they have, they worked in drinks branding, like their whole careers, they're absolute mm-hmm. experts, uh, in package design, um, you know, brand design branding. And that's when I started my, uh, my, my, um, education into, into branding really, uh, mm-hmm. from, from there, because when I arrived, I didn't really know huge amounts about marketing, didn't know about branding, but I knew about sales. Right. So, uh, the first thing I was given was a book on um, Johnny Johnny Walker, and uh, the the Johnny Walker brand was was where I started to learn about branding, actual business branding, uh, and my, and a few years later I sort of learned about uh, personal branding. Yeah, yeah. But that was a that was a that was a really cool job. When I, I never forget it. Right, the guys like yeah, come and have a meeting. So I, so at that time, like tweed jackets were really cool. Yeah. Everyone was into like blue jeans, brogues, tweed jackets, striped shirts. That was the kind of look. Yeah. Mm. For, for the sort of marketing advertising kind of industry and, and, and that kind of thing. So I donned my, donned my tweed jacket, uh, jumped on the train from, uh, from Hazelmere. I live right near the station. Yeah. So literally to walk home, it's like five minutes from the station. Right. So I get there, get to this really cool office um, in North London, and meet meet Eddie, who's who's uh, he's the boss, and then there are a couple other guys who are his partners and whatever. And we just got on like a house on fire, right? Just super cool guy. And he's like, he's like, oh, we're going to the pub. Do you want to like, do you want to like go and grab grab some beers and have some lunch? And I was like, sure, great. And then literally, me and these three three uh, creatives just sat about in one of the best real ale pubs in, in North London and just got drunk. <laughs> like it, it was, it was crazy. It was like, it was like a sort of interview out of a Carlsberg advert. It was, it was crazy. And we just sat about and drunk probably four or five beers each and, and just had a really good time getting to know each other. And, and then, and then he's like, yeah, when do you want to start? And I was like, well, he's like, send me a proposal. So I was like, sure. Send him a proposal. And, uh, and then basically, so at that point, um, I was basically, I was working for, for them. I got another job two days a week for another brewery selling beer. Cause I posted an advert on a, on a, on a, um, on a website, uh, about beer sales. Right. Um, I was teaching Tai Chi classes, uh, and I think my daughter had just been born. Right. So I was basically working like three or four jobs. My wife was kind of working, um, probably I think she's working uh, maybe 30 hours a week as well so it was a pretty crazy time in my life actually uh 
but I have fond, I have really fond memories of that time. It was, it was super. Now, tell me about the Tai Chi and how you got into that, because that's a very different lifestyle to the one that you're talking about. Yeah, it's funny you should say that. I, I, um, so when I went to college, uh, I basically studied. Uh, I studied at a college near Brighton called Plumpton College, and at that time they launched the first ever wine studies HND course. So that was marketing, grape growing, wine making, blah blah blah. Yeah. At that point, I basically stayed at college uh, for a year, and there was a night warden there called Ian. Um, and he was he was basically he'd been on like the British team uh, for Tai Chi. Um, he he'd he'd basically had like a black belt in karate uh, and judo, and he was into like Viking fighting and stuff. And we just became friends. And he was my first teacher. That was when I was twenty. I was twenty. Yeah. So that was twenty five years ago now. And. And basically, I, I kind of I just continued it. It was just something that I just continued to do day after day, month after month, year after year. And I just found that it just gave me a lot more energy, a lot more focus um, to everything else in my life. Uh, it helped me give up certain bad habits Um and and you know and I practice pretty much every day at the moment. I'm, I I I have done for for twenty five years. You know, um, saying that it is it is you know an opposite way of life to the sort of uh, drinking and this kind of thing isn't strictly true because if you if you go back to like the Taoist uh, writings, you will you will see that you know there are. There are poems that basically uh, go back to uh, the Taoists that live in in the mountains, and and like one of them will say, "I get up at, at dawn, um, I walk through the woods, I gather firewood on my back, I sell the firewood, and I buy wine, and then I end up at home again." You know, there are these kind of things. So I don't actually believe that at all. What do you think about traditional wisdom? Is that something that is a part of your life, would you say? Because how you come across um, is as a very wise person, I have to say. Thank you. So there seems to be a much deeper depth to you on many levels, I think. And it's something that you and I spoke about before. Mm-hmm. Um I don't know if you would like to share it, but it's something that I think the listeners would benefit from. Yeah. Um, I don't know about wise. I think, I think probably learned the hard way in, in many, in many cases. I think that in life lessons seem to come up again and again and again and again. And until until you actually take the lesson for what it is and say, okay, I've learned it this time. I don't want to go through this again. I'm going to change, right? Then they keep coming back and, and coming back and biting you until you until you actually listen and, and take it on board, you know? And 
I don't know. I spent many years of my life, um, you know, basically just being quite selfish, not really, not really caring that much about others. All right. I, I cared, but not really, not, not like I do now. And like, I just had like a massive, a massive change in my life. I had a massive sort of turning point, um, which was basically I moved. So I'll tell you the story. I, I moved to oh. Um, and at that, at that point in my life, I, I basically, I rented a villa. I drove out there in my Jeep and I, and I rented a villa for like a year. Um, basically spent a lot of money, ended up, um, yeah, I got some work from IBM and I, and I, you know, I thought things were going really well. And, and, and then basically they stopped the program and, and, and I didn't really have anything to fall back on. So I kind of ended up back in England. And I had a really weird experience. So I was basically sleeping on sleeping on a uh, in the in the ferry um, after parking my parking my car. I drunk a, drunk some wine, and basically fell asleep. And and I basically I, I, at one point I, I sort of woke up and I looked over my shoulder and I saw uh, a I saw a I saw a figure of Jesus, like a, probably about he looked about nine foot tall to me at that time. Uh, I, I, you know, it was just, he looked so huge. He was such a huge character that it was just, and it frightened me absolutely silly, frightened me to death, half to death. So I, I turned my back on him. I said, look, I can't cope with this now. Please don't, don't frighten me. I can't deal with this. And I, so I went to sleep, um, woke up, you know, got in my Jeep, um, didn't think any more about it for, um, I don't know, probably, Probably, probably a, a couple months, maybe a month and a half, um, and then and then one day, so I was I was dating this uh, this chick at the time. She she had a couple kids, lovely lovely person, uh, great kids as well. Um, and basically, uh, one day I basically broke the door lock uh, to her house. Right, locked locked the back door, which you never do on Dartmoor in the moors, and and I basically um, we were all outside. Um, I had nothing on me. My mobile phone was inside and, and, and she's like, well, okay. She was mad. I mean, she, she, she was, she, she was funny. I I still kind of, I still kind of like her, but that's, that's a long story. She was, she was a black belt in, in full contact karate, kickboxing, combat jujitsu and an instructor as well. But she's also an electrotherapist. Wow. Isn't that a crazy That's quite a combination. Crazy, right? <laughs> Absolutely crazy. But she, but she went mad. She went totally freaking crazy, yeah. And she basically just threw me a, a liter and a half bottle of water. Um, she said, she said, but I've she was a lot. mad because of that you What's broken that? the lock. She was mad I broke the lock. Yeah. So, oh, so okay. We, we couldn't get back in, right? So she's basically this is a bank holiday or a Sunday or whatever. So she's. I've got no telephone. I've got no money on me. I've, all I've got is a bottle of water. I've got a, I've got a very thin jacket, which thankfully I had, or I would have been freezing. And basically, I've got a little sports car, right? That I, you could not sleep in if you tried. Yeah. Um, and she said, um, she said, oh, I've all, I've called a locksmith. Here's my neighbor's mobile phone. You can you can call someone. You need to sort it out and get the money for when he gets here, right? So I'm just like. So she's thrown this phone at me, thrown me the water and gone, oh, and if we're not back, you can sleep in your car. <laughs> right? Can you believe that? 
was crazy. So literally, I went out onto Dartmoor, yeah, onto the moors, and uh, and I sat in the out. night. No, it was still daytime at this oh, point. Oh, it was right? still daytime. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I, and I, it was it was wasn't too cold. The sun was out, and I just I was so, I was broken at this point. It was just the last straw for me. I was just like. So I sat down, crossed my legs, and sat down on on Dartmoor, and I and I and I, I spoke to God, and I said, I prayed to God, um, and I said, look, Jesus, God, help me, you know, like I'm really sorry, I just don't, I can't, I can't, I can't take it anymore, like these things keep happening to me, like I can't cope with this anymore, and I heard these words in my head saying, you are deeply selfish. And unless you change, this is going to keep happening to you. Oh. Right? So so at that point, I was literally just broken, yeah? And I basically just gave up. I said, look, I can't do this anymore. Help me to, to, to get better, like to reform and become a better person. And, oh. and, and that was the moment when my heart just started to kind of, soften and 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 I started to develop like compassion for people and real empathy and like and like really care about what on earth is going on in society and like in 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 Africa and in you know wherever in the world right Mm. and I could actually really I could actually really empathize and and be and be compassionate and 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 just kind of understand more about what it's like to really like to really suffer yeah like and I actually think suffering in in that respect for me. I'm not talking about other people because it's not my it's not my place, right? But that was really good for me because it made me realize that like I didn't even know anyone's phone numbers, right? I didn't even know my mum's number. I was totally lost. My iPhone was in her house, right? Like so. Anyway, that was the beginning of of my my change. It was like a total transformation, yeah, and. And then I basically just followed guidance from from the man upstairs who told me to start a podcast show. Right? I mean, I'd already had one with a business partner, but that wasn't that wasn't going anywhere. So one day, I basically heard these words in my head saying, "Start a podcast show." Right? So yeah. at first, I was just like, I was like, I was like, "Oh, really? Do I have to start another one?" Yes, you must start a podcast. So I was like, "Okay, all right, I'll do it." So I so I dug out. I created a website. I, I dug out a uh, dug out a uh, a podcast episode where I'd interviewed someone who who basically turned out to be one of my one of my most one of the most amazing mentors who spent a, a, a little bit of time with me. He helped me to get Stanley Tucci on my show and like some loads of OBEs and MBEs and basically transformed my whole my whole mentality through doing a few interviews with these people. Like it was it was crazy. And so I started this show and I put this one episode on on the website and I put my feet up and I was like, oh, that's all right. I can relax now. And then I heard these words again saying, no, you can't. You're not working hard enough. You need to work really hard. You need to work so hard that this really works for you. And so I did. And I basically I created uh, this is in the run up to 2018, Christmas 2018, mm-hmm. Um in October 2018, I was like, right, okay, I'm going to do it. So I basically created um, that first episode. Then in November, I heard the words saying, you're not working hard enough. So I started really working hard and I created uh, seven episodes. Um, uh, no, sorry, six episodes with full transcription, 
uh, credits, which which were between nine and fifteen thousand words per episode. Um, obviously, editing the audio myself, editing the transcriptions, which admittedly isn't you know wasn't a great job. I kind of did it not probably too well. If I went back and looked, I could probably find a lot of errors, but I managed to do it. And I got six episodes live before Christmas uh, 2018. So then I was, I went to stay, uh, I went, I went to see my dad and, and I heard these words in my head saying, you can have three days off and that's it. And you need to do another six episodes. As soon as you're back in January, you need to mm. keep the pace up. Yeah. So I was like, oh, you're kidding me. No way. And all right, I'll do it. Yeah. Because, you you know, you hear these words in your head that tell you you've got to do something. You you need to take that advice and you need to do it. Because if you don't, you're going to continue with the life that you don't want. Right. So so I took the advice and I basically I created the six and I and I and I released them for that week. As soon as we got back in January 2019 and then after the third or uh, on the Wednesday, I had a, a message from the world's largest ebook publishing firm that has now grown into, they've grown to 120 employees now since I've been working with them from 60 or something from, I mean, their customers are like KPMG, Lidl, banks, pharmaceuticals, engineering firms, and like, and they're moving into China with their content and stuff. And I, so I was like, I basically thought I would make a hell of a lot of money, right? Yeah. <laughs> And she turned around and she said, well, look, you, you know, uh, we can't pay you any money, but, you know, you get paid for life of the content. So I was like, okay, that sounds great. Um, how, uh, how does that work? So she basically said to me, well, this is what we expect you'll make. And if you do this amount of episodes, you're going to make X. So in my mind, I was like, well, you know, one episode really didn't make me very excited. So I had this, this inspiration. I was like, I'll tell you what, I'll do 100 episodes for you by the end of, uh, well, within three months, right? Mm -hmm. So I went away and I basically I interviewed everyone that I could get my hands on. I basically, I was like, right, what are the topics? They sent me 100. They sent me like 200 topics. I basically did 100 out of these topics. Um, and that now pays for me to live. And, and, and you know, so... So it's taken a lot of pressure away from now my entrepreneurial activities, which now has given, which has given me the freedom to actually sit back and say, well, I've cut my living expenses to as low as I can, which is the most important thing if you want to work for yourself in self-employed business. If you if you're spending money like water, then just keep keep working and stay in your job is my advice. But the moment you cut your overheads to bare minimum and you get the money which covers them, it frees up your creative brain. So then you can actually create things. So about a year ago, um, jump, you know, jump forward a little, a little bit. Uh, uh -huh. I've got these podcasts. I've interviewed, you know, um, some of the top, top people in the world, like actors, um, you know, the founders of the Windows Insider program, like the coolest people ever. Yeah. Um, loads of OBs, MBEs, and then and then um, my business partner, who I was working with, unfortunately uh, ended up in hospital uh, having a stroke. Um, and then I was like, well, you know, by that point, I'd kind of I'd kind of already agreed to to to, to start a business with someone, 
Um, but and I'd hoped he would be a part of that, but unfortunately, he um, he had this stroke and 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 wasn't able to help or do anything like from from January, right? So before like before that point, I'd already started work on this new on this new uh, new brand and all of these new things, and so for about a year now, I've been basically working with uh, one of the most amazing uh, executive coaches uh, and CEOs um, in the world, right? So, you know, we're in the process of building a, an online learning uh, education business. Um, and so, but it's like each one of these steps, each, each, each thing that caused me pain kind of kind of pushed me into the place where I'm at now, which is actually I've got most of the knowledge that I need to, to, and I've got certainly got most of the connections that I need because I kind of got to the point where I was like, I can't do it on my own. Like, and, and, and I think that a lot of people, they, they fail because they actually think they can do it all on their own. And, and they, they, it's almost like you've got blinkers on. It's like, no, I'm going to grow a business on my own. It's like, you can't like most of the time, you could, but a lot of the successful people that I know, they've all got business partners or great people who they employ, right? You know? Yeah, yeah, it's very true. And where are you now in life? In life? So to speak. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm rebuilding. I'm, uh, you know, I got divorced, uh, like I say. Probably, I think that was probably about three or four years ago when I finally got the courage to take it all you know, get it all sorted and get the right paperwork in place and all that kind of stuff. Right. Um, so, you know, I'm just rebuilding my life and, um, and I've kind of, you know, right now I've got very cheap overheads. Uh, the weather's nice where I am here in Croatia and, you know, I'm resident here now for five years. I've got, you know, I've got a five year, uh, visa permit, whatever, I'm going to buy a house in the next couple of years, but I have to work really, really hard in order to do that. Right. And the moment where you had that divine intervention, I suppose, Nat, mm -hmm. is that something that has changed the complete direction of your life? Is that something that guides you every day now? Yeah. In what way? Well, just just with my mindset and actually keeping, well, there are many, many ways, right? But I, I certainly think that the good book, yeah, if it, if it is um, understood and someone explains the good book, right, and what that particular lesson means, it contains everything that you that you really need right because you know if you can you worry about things and 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 you know you might lack faith you might um be angry or or, or not care about people you know there are so many lessons in the good book right and you know i i like i take guidance like every day right multiple times a day right like you know like and I, I just feel that it's turbocharged my whole life, right? Because, you know, what, what Kim and I are doing with our business it will change, it will change a lot of lives, right? And that's, and that's important, yeah? And, you know, and that's, that's why I basically continue with, 
you know, posting content every day, writing, well, nearly every day, writing blogs, trying to encourage people, trying to give people um, the belief that they can look right. If I can do it right, I've got, I've got, I've got like two GCSEs. Yeah. I had an English teacher at school used to tell me I'd be cleaning toilets. Right. Okay. He used to bully me in every class and tell me that. Yeah. But the guy, his lessons were boring. Right. Like, you know, I got expelled from one of the top boarding schools in the UK. My parents nearly wanted to kill me. I did absolutely nothing really at, at, at school because it was just boring right I just found it absolutely dull right but the thing is is that you know some of the most successful people that I know including my business partner she doesn't have a degree right um my one of my my mentors Michael Tobin OBE he doesn't have a degree he grew a business and merged two cloud companies together and sold it for like three points three billion dollars or something like and it's like wherever you're at you've just got to start with something that is interesting to you like i don't care what it is if it's if you think right i like the look of this this looks really interesting then you need to learn about it because and you need to learn everything you can possibly uh, understand and comprehend about that subject and if you do that that's going to take you to the next stage, right? Because you don't actually know what the big picture is, yeah? If you turned around uh, to Mimi and, and you said, Mimi, say, say we went back 10 years, Mimi, or 15 years, mm. right? And I said, uh, so uh, young young Mimi, younger Mimi, um, what... What do you think you're going to be doing in 15 years' time? You wouldn't even have any idea. I'm maybe not the best person for that. I really maybe you would. <laughs> All right. No, well, I, no, no. I wouldn't know because I'm definitely – No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't know. But that is only because we don't know what tomorrow brings. We don't no. know what life brings to us and who life brings brings to us this is the thing and I think there has to be an air of mystery about it and an air of allowing the right people and the right situations into your life yeah and I listen to your story Nat and I think but you sound confident and is that something that you have always had or is that something that you have to work towards every day because that's really important because so many people out there don't have that confidence in themselves to achieve what is really their life purpose yeah that's a that's a that's a tough question to answer actually i think i think some days are better than others i think some days you can um be delusionary into thinking that you're amazing at things and actually you fail miserably. Other days you can be really uh, thinking that you're really bad at something and be really good at it. Right. But what I do think is that um, becoming really good at something, it takes practice. It takes work. Right. Like, and you know, when I do my TEDx, yeah, or whatever, TED Talk, whatever, right, my message will be, look, stop listening to these idiots, yeah, who are trying to tell you that you should buy more of their stupid books that are going to sow the seed of some, like, 
wacky download of like every dream you've ever had becoming reality you need to get off your ass and do some work right and i and i, and I don't yeah. care what that is it needs to be something yeah and it doesn't matter where you are right if you if you if you want inspiration go and look at the film on on netflix with the um african boy who basically created electricity uh from a, a, a and created a water well in his in his yeah. village right? like you know it's like michael tobin like he had a really bad childhood yeah um and i and i think a lot of people that pain is there to teach you something everything that you that you go through is there to teach you something right everything yeah and it might not be apparent at the time like you might you might look back at, you might you might be in the moment and go whoa this is awful like right and you know we've all been there yeah but the thing is is that you take that experience with you and you end up one day and, and you and you say all right i made that mistake okay that was a mistake i made okay sure but you know what i can do this and you know it all depends on 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 what you're trying to do if what you're doing is causing you pain and you really hate what you're doing you got to find something else to do with your time, right? Like just try and cultivate some other interests that may turn into like um, work, right? But nothing's easy. You know, people like you to believe it is, but it's not easy. Everyone has to work hard. Like the processes that I'm going through right now just to create a newsletter, right? Were killing me today. I'm trying to create a newsletter. Um, I did it in the end, thank God. It wasn't easy. You know, I'd never done it with this particular tool and it isn't that easy. And then, you know, there are all these things that you need to learn. And you know what? Everyone goes through this. Like, just because you think you're special, right? You're not special. You're normal. And you need to just get up one more time, right? Like, I think there's a Japanese saying. My friend uh, Nicholas Babin was 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 talking about it the other day on a, on an interview. He's actually now um, a world expert on AI for the WEF. Fantastic uh, chap in France, a friend of mine. And, and he said the Japanese have a saying that you, you fall down six times and you get up number seven. Yeah, that's good advice. But I actually, I have to say, I actually do believe that we are special. I do. I do believe that every single person has a particular quality that the other one doesn't. And I think we forget that. I think we forget our quality because I think innately, even as children, we know that quality. Mm -hmm. We forget that quality. When we forget our quality, it's very difficult then to see somebody else's. Yeah. So I think it's important to remember that we are unique and we are special mm -hmm. as beings in our own right. And as I'm talking to you now, what is inspiring me really, Nat, is that you were able to change your life to something positive. And that is with something that is, it's not outside of us, of course, um, but it's something that is, you can't see with the eyes. The divine you cannot see sometimes with the eyes, although the whole world is divine, including ourselves. 
But I'm interested in, you talk a lot about mindset. You took, and you're an expert in all of this, but tell me something about the heart. Because ultimately, unless we have this passion within our hearts, life is tasteless, surely. Yeah. I mean, I think I think at certain times in our lives, like we're, you're really talking about purpose because we're not talking we're not talking about love as in um, you know relationship love. We're talking about purpose is what we're really yeah. talking about. Yeah. So yeah. so when it comes to purpose, yeah, we can spend all this time. I found it very interesting journey. Yeah. Um, and what you will find is when you discover your purpose that it was always there in the first place. And that is a very interesting thing, yeah? Because you can run away from it, but then eventually, if you decide to take your mission, right, that purpose that you have is just there and you and you, you pick it up and you run with it. And it, when you pick up your purpose and you run with it, right, it is like... It, I'm not going to say the universe. Let's say the universe, right? It doesn't matter to me. Yeah. Let's just say that the heavens opened. Yeah. Mm. And basically everything that you need to make that happen is in front of you. Right. And, you know, I basically, I was invited to go to um, IBM think, which is a, because I'm part of this IBM futurist community still and I think they they kind of, I'm not sure what they're doing with the program anymore, but it was a program around top thinkers around AI, cloud, marketing in the world, right? So somehow I, I, I kind of started thinking about AI and, you know, and, and jobs and this and that. And I started blogging about it. And then, and then you know, IBM were like, oh, we want you to come to think. So I went, I went to think. And it was crazy, right? Like, I literally, I met I met the most amazing people. Some of them are, are friends of mine now, right? Like literally. And one of them uh, is called Brian Eisenberg. And he's like a five times New York bestselling author. The, one of the coolest people that you, that you will meet, right? And at the time he had written a book called, well, at the time it was called, I think he changed the name. It was, it, it's called Be Like Amazon now. It was Brand Like Amazon. So I've got a sign excuse me, I've got a signed copy here. And it's a very interesting story when there's an old man in a, in a, in a, in the car and he takes a road trip with a younger guy and basically shares all of these amazing insights. Right. But what I love, what I love about um, in, in, in the back of the book, the way that you, you basically write down your, I believe statements. Right. And when you write down your I believe statements, it's like, it's almost like it gives you some sort of turbo to what, like it gives you more power to deliver what you're going to deliver to the world, right? So I read that book and I read um, Simon Sinek's book, uh, Your Why, right? I also read a book by uh, Britain's leading uh, hypnotist, Jonathan Chase, which is a fantastic book. And that really helped me as well. And I'll give you all the links if you want to put them into the into the show. Right. Somewhere. OK. And 
but basically all of these books really helped me because the first book uh, from Jonathan Chase was like, it's basically all about creating your perfect day. And basically he outlines a process in there, which basically you go through and you create your perfect day, which basically it becomes harmonious with your subconscious mind. And this is what's important. This is why we, we struggle in many cases because our subconscious mind is fighting against our conscious mind, right? And this is this is something that I've been learning a lot about, right? It's not it's not the opposite of Christianity. It's not the opposite of whatever faith you believe. It's a fact, yeah, that when we were growing up, you know, I was growing up, people were like, oh, well, you know, you only use 5% of your brain. It's like, and, and at that point, I didn't really question it, right? But that's rubbish, yeah? Because we are always creating. Our brain is always creating, even while we're sleeping, right? Even while we're taking a nap, yeah? Uh, our brain is always creating, right? So I went through this process, the perfect day process, and then I basically combined it with... Um, I read Simon Sinek's book and, and thought about my why. And I, I read that. And then I basically, I was like, oh, that's interesting. And then I read uh, uh, brand like, uh, be like Amazon again. And I was like, ah, so I'm going to create these, I believe statements, right? So I wrote a whole load of statements down. Yeah. And, and I created like this, this, uh, this document, which basically is like my perfect day. But at the end of it, it says, well, this is what I believe. Like, I believe everyone needs to have internet access. I believe everybody deserves to eat food and have drink and have shelter. And I, but you know, all of these things and those things have turbocharged my purpose and my life, which is to educate people so that they can provide for themselves, right? And provide what for themselves? Everything that they need. For example... Well, food, shelter, water, access to education, access to money, access to um, job that they actually enjoy or work, meaningful work. All of these things are really important, yeah? And, you know, with the invention of, of, of new technologies, uh, jobs are disappearing, but also jobs are growing, right? So, you know, being able to turn around and go, well, I've got to change my mindset, otherwise I'm going to be unemployed, right? It, you need to do it. You need to change your mindset. I'm not saying that if you are a yoga teacher or if you're a you're, you know, you're an expert in woods woodsmanship or craft, you know, that you have to learn about the internet. But what I'm saying is, is that if you feel that you want to learn about technology and move into that sort of space. You need to take a look at what jobs are going to be around, what jobs are not going to be around, and create value, right? Because this is what this is what it's about. It's about creating value. If you're not creating value, then you're gonna you're gonna have a problem, aren't you? Okay, let's take this example. What if technology finishes tomorrow? Is that the end of mankind? Or is that the beginning of something different, another world? If that happens, everyone's going to die. You believe that? Absolutely. Even with your faith in Jesus and God? Yeah, you believe absolutely. Uh, technology, why, why, I don't know why you, would, why you would say that. Because I'm looking at everything in the world, personally speaking, now. Mm -hmm. 
and I'm listening to people. I'm listening to clients. I'm listening to colleagues, uh, my peers, um, friends, family. I'm looking at it on a wider scale. And I hear all these stories and I hear people and, you know, as you know, the work that I do in therapy and everything. And we were talking about this before. And one of the things that really, I would say 85% of the people that I talk to, Nat, actually don't like the way the world is going with technology and they feel somewhat trapped with it and I often get the question myself what would you do who would you be if technology ceased now that's why I'm asking you this question because it's so been what, you're coming asking, up a lot so, so you're asking what would I do yeah what would you do as oh, I just grow. I just grow, grow, grow grapes. So we wouldn't die. You wouldn't die. No, but I wouldn't die. But like, but like, if you think, if you think about the way that things work, right? There would oh. be so many bad things that happen if there was no technology. So many, like all the advances that we're making in medical, um, healthcare. Oh. Uh, there are so many good things that technology has brought that uh, I, I think it would be dreadful if that happened. Think about how many people that wouldn't be able to uh, speak to their families, who wouldn't be able to read articles, who wouldn't be able to get education. Like, I, uh, you know, MIT gave away open courseware 20 years ago, that was the first time. They just had the 20th anniversary, right? So they've basically educated. They've delivered millions and millions of courses to people for free on the internet, right? So, yes, it would be awful, dreadful. But let me stop you just for a moment. The experience that you had on the boat, I believe it was, and on the moors mm -hmm. had nothing to do with technology. Mm -hmm. It was something beyond our understanding in a way. Mm -hmm. That was so profound to you that it made you turn your life around. Mm -hmm. So how do you explain that? Do you not think that that power that did that on those two occasions could not transform the world in a better way i don't i don't actually see how it would be possible to mm -hmm. to first of all educate all of these people that are uneducated who who don't have access to anything without technology it's it's not it's not possible yeah. So, How was it possible before we were so advanced in technology? Well, they weren't. They weren't getting educated. But That's people were point. still living, weren't they? Yeah, but they were living. But were they living? That's the point, right? Well, that's the big question. Well, it it depends. It depends on what 
what you enjoy in life, right? I'm not saying you have to use your technology. But what I am saying is, is that actually it's people's freedom of choice. Yeah, it's freedom of choice, right? If you decide that you want to build a business and then you want to retire and you want to go and, and run a vineyard, that's fine. But you're still going to use technology. Mm. Technology is is the solution for all of these things that are going wrong, right? And it's just like the 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 the, the jack in a box, right? It's out of the box, right? Like it's already it's already happened yeah you, like you know if you think about how technology is you know uh, you've got internet of things sensors that are sensing mm-hmm. um you know motors and and telling engineers when they're going to go wrong you've got um you've got so many great things right from from technology but the the issue I have, the main issue that I have, is mm-hmm. actually when when we got the industrial revolution, the first one, right? I don't see us having any more revolutions. I think that we're still part of the first industrial revolution. To me, I think all of these people saying we're two point oh, three point oh, is a lot of rubbish, right? What happened was is we were promised, yeah, less work and more money, right? This is what we were promised, yeah, and. That's what we need. If we can actually begin to use the technology in the right way, instead of just creating more and more output, which is basically what's happening at the moment, we're basically getting all this new tech, learning how to use it, creating more output, right? And then uh, making probably the same or more money, but we're not, but we're not getting any time back, right? So just because someone chooses i'm not i'm not i'm saying choose in a loose word chooses to waste their time on this app and that app and this app and whatever and not do something else that is actually their choice but the problem is is that they are not aware of that choice yeah they are not aware that those that those endorphins that those triggers are being pushed in their head which makes them addicted to that app right so they don't they don't know how to actually not use that app or use it in a way whereby they're in control of it right that's not my job to educate them as to that point yeah perhaps it is but the point i'm making is is that actually we want less work more money right we want to work but we want less work that's why we have machines right machines need to take some of the work so we can have more time. And this is something that I have a massive problem with. And that's what I think needs to be fixed. If this isn't fixed, then what's the point of all this technology? It's, po- it's pointless, Mimi, right? Mm-hmm. You know? Where has the peace gone in people, Nat? Because when you look around... Everyone is busy being busy. I don't know, you know. I, I'm I'm in Croatia, right? This is like this is like the nineteen early nineteen nineties. No, people are really happy here. Yeah, most of them they don't earn as much money as people in the UK, whatever. But they're really happy here. Like England is 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 you know UK's got a lot of people there. People are busy. They're in, but but they it's like they wear it as a badge of honour. 
Yeah. 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 I'm not wearing my busyness as a badge of honor. I'm actually working. (laughs) I'm actually working towards something so that I don't have to work. Yeah. Or I can work 20 hours a week if I want, or I can work no hours a week. Right. That's what I'm working towards. Yeah. Just because other people aren't working in that way and they're just like, well, I'm going to work for 30 years and I'm going to get a pension and then I'm going to retire and I'll be happy when. Like, yeah, you can be happy when, right? Fine. Good, 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 good for them. Yeah. That's that's their choice as to how they want to live. I don't want to live like that. I never have, right? So, you know, it's it's horses for courses. You make your decisions, you're the one that's got to look at yourself in the mirror, right? Like that's that is that, and you know, that's that's it really. You know, I can't judge someone based upon my attitude it's not up to me right it's up to them yeah i'm not into judging people i think that that's their choice but they need to make an informed choice it's informed choices it isn't um you know blindly continuing down a road without knowing what you're going to get it's about goal setting and it's conscious goal setting and aiming in the right direction for what you want your life to look like, right? I mean, that's what we're talking about here, yeah? Really. And when you are working less, Nat, for example, mm-hmm. what would be your ideal um, scenario? What would you like to be doing in your free time? Oh, riding motorcycles, uh, sailing, um, Traveling a bit, eating nice food, maybe have a vineyard, small one to do a little bit of work on, spending time with uh, family, friends. That's kind of that's kind of it, really. The simple pleasures of life. Yeah, yeah. And exercising, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Not don't forget exercise, of <laughs> course. <laughs> <laughs> Oh dear. Well, well really, Mimi, look, it's been a real pleasure. It has indeed. It yeah, has indeed. I'm gonna yeah, have to go you. because I need to get up and finish up this uh finish up this personal branding uh presentation. Thank you very much, Nat, for coming Thank you. on. And um where can people find out more about what you do? Uh Nat uh Okay, and all the information is there. And before you run off, just It's something that I do with all my guests, a couple of lines of inspiration for people out there listening, something that really can help people in these times. Well, I was in the bath, right? And at the time I had this massive corner bath and I was was kind of meditating, I think, right? Because I was tired and, and I heard these words in my head and it was, listen more do more and be more. And those are the three ways to success. That was what I heard in my head. Beautiful. Thank you very much. We should put that on the wall and look at it every day. Well, I'm trying to listen, Mimi. It's not easy at times. It's not, but we must try. We must <laughs> not, <laughs> normally I'm asking the questions. So for me, it's kind of a bit unnerving. No, I cannot believe that for one second. Come on. <laughs> Give my regards to beautiful Croatia and um, please come again. Thank you, Mimi. I really appreciate it very much. So, okay, take care, Nat. <laughs> yeah. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye.
Bye-bye. That's cooler. What an interesting conversation. It's always good to hear other people's opinions because we have so much to learn from each other. Until next time, take care and lots of love. Thank you for listening to Secrets for an Inspirational Life, brought to you by your host, Mimi Novik. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast and see you in the next episode. For more information about Mimi Novik and her books, music and inspirational work, take a look at her website, www.miminovic.co.uk.